Kotlin multi-platform is a mindset. And once you get into the mindset, you find more and more use cases for it. And that's kind of what's happening at Kareem now, for example. So now that we have this success story of one year in production on iOS and Android, um, now you know they're looking across like, what else can we share? And can we actually start sharing stuff with backend? Because so far we've only been sharing Android and iOS. Um, and so I think once you actually have one success story, no matter how small it is, you find many, many more um, and kind of, so I encourage anyone who hasn't actually, you know, dived into this stuff yet to even start very small and slowly you'll see that, I mean, the value becomes clear very quickly. You just heard from Kareem, lead Android engineer Ahmed. For those of you who don't know, Kareem is a ride hailing service that was acquired by Uber last year. And Ahmed was responsible for introducing Kotlin multi-platform mobile to Kareem and overseeing its expansion from pilot all the way to Kotlin multi-platform mobile in production. We love that segment. Thanks for listening to TouchLab Share. You're now about to listen to a recording of the entire session featuring Ahmed. In it, he talks about his experiences putting Kotlin multi-platform mobile into production, as well as taking some time to discuss some of the technical aspects of the framework, in particular, multi-threading. Towards the end, we open up for questions. We hope you find this segment useful and beneficial in your exploration of Kotlin multi-platform mobile. As always, thanks for listening, and please remember to subscribe. Cool. So I just want to give a very high level, quick overview of multi-threading um, in, in Kotlin multi-platform. Um, so I think to start off with, the Kotlin memory model um, basically has two rules. And that is any object can either be immutable and therefore shared across multiple threads, uh, or it's mutable and confined to one thread. Uh, this, this only applies uh, to native targets, essentially. So it doesn't actually apply to Android, which gets to be a bit interesting, as we'll see in a bit. So I want to jump in directly to some examples. Um, so let's start with the simpler case, which is the immutable case. And so considering we have a, a class that's just a, a utility class, right? Um, math utilities that has a square method. Um, for anyone not familiar with Kotlin, an object is just a singleton class. Uh, this just squares a number, nothing fancy here. Um, so using this on iOS, you, you would use it the way that you would expect, right? Even though the Swift syntax looks like you're creating a new one, you're actually getting, it is a singleton, so you're getting the same instance. Um, but we can just get it and square it, and we can do this whether it's on the UI thread or we can do it on a background thread, and it works the way that we would expect. So we get the result that we expect. Um, this might seem very obvious, but actually it wasn't very obvious to me at the beginning because I always thought that, you know, that objects had to be thread confined always, but that's actually not always true. But we'll see where this, this kind of model doesn't actually quite hold in some cases and, and the things that you have to do about, about it. So, okay, singleton is great. Let's say that I actually want instances. So let's change our previous one. Instead of having a singleton class, I can make this numeric operations class that takes in an amount, and then we can do various operations. Right now, we can only call square on it. So again, you know, you can create one and use it on the main thread in iOS. You can create another one and use it on a background thread in iOS, and that's all good. But what if I want to actually use the same instance um, on the main thread and on the background thread. So, um, you know, in Android, you would do something like this where, okay, I create it, I use it, 
and then I pass it to a thread and I print the value and everything works as you expect. But if I try this very same thing on iOS, um, so on the main thread I created, I'm using the same exact instance um, on iOS to actually try to do whatever it is I want to do, I actually get this exception, illegal attempt to access non-shared from another thread. Um, and so, okay, but there's no mutable state here. So why is this happening? So it turns out that Kotlin doesn't actually know, uh, Kotlin native doesn't actually know whether uh, an object is mutable or not, unless you actually explicitly tell it. And the way that you tell it is by calling this method called freeze. And so fr what freeze does is it marks a particular object and its entire subgraph, basically all the objects that are reachable from that object as uh, immutable and shareable across uh, multiple threads. So, okay, so what we can do is this freeze method is only available in native, right? So we can go back to our platform code and in the iOS main folder, um, we can create uh, in the iOS main target, we can create some sort of a free freezer operation, which I'll give it the number, it'll instantiate the object and then it will automatically call freeze for us because you can't call freeze also from iOS. So this is kind of one of the ways one of the ways that you have to do it, right? Um, and then everything works as expected. So instead of, so I get it from the freezer uh, object, I, I get a new one and, um, and then it works both on the main thread and on the background thread. So, okay, that's interesting, but how come the first case that we ran into, like there are two kind of interesting points here. The first point is there was no actual state, like why, like why there's no mutable state here. And we said that the rule said that immutable state. So we said that, that the reason for that was because the requirement uh, of telling Kotlin multi-platform that this object is actually immutable. But then why didn't we have to do that for the very first example uh, with the object? So we'll take a look at that in the next example uh, in the mutable case. So, um, so let's just say we have a very simple counter object with just a count in it. And we'll just, you know, we'll set the count and read it or, or whatnot. Very, very boring example, I guess. But um, if you try to actually use this in iOS, this actually doesn't work. Um, you will actually get an uh, invalid, uh, like a mutation attempt of a frozen um, variable, which is an invalid mutability exception. But I didn't call freeze. So why, how come I'm getting this exception? So it turns out that for objects, uh, so singleton's objects, the properties of these objects are frozen by default. Um, you have a way to actually override that. Um, you have ways to over, override that. One of those is thread local. And so what thread local does is it says that every copy of this, uh, every thread should get its own copy of this variable. So, um, so if we add the thread local annotation on the counter, um, this basically means every thread will get its own instance of this counter class. Um, so even though it's a object is really a singleton, you actually will actually get a different instance on the different threads. Um, so by marking it as a thread local, now um, you know, I can create a counter and I can use it on the main thread. I can create another counter, I can use it on the background thread. Um, and things work the way that we expect them to now. Like we no longer get this immutability exception. Um, but let's suppose again, I wanna use the actual same counter instance um, you know, on, the, on both threads, right? Um, this actually doesn't work again uh, because uh, you couple multi-platform thinks you're trying to, sh to um, tax this mutable state, which you are because you marked it as thread local. And that makes sense. We just said that it's, uh, if it's mutable, it's confined to one thread, right? But what if we want to, 
for some reason, we want the actual same mutable object to be usable for multiple threads. So uh, Kotlin, Kotlin multi-platform has a set of atomic variables, uh, atomic uh, data types, data structures, um, types, sorry, atomic int, atomic long, atomic reference. And what these, the interesting thing, uh, a property of these um, types is that they can actually participate in being frozen, like they can be frozen, but you can actually still mutate them. You can set the values on them, but they're considered immutable for the most part. Um, and so we can just go back to our example and just replace the count instead of an int with an atomic int. And then everything works the way we'd expect it to. So we're creating an atomic counter and increasing it on the main thread here. So the value should be one. We try to print it on the background thread value is still one, increase it and print it again, value is two. Um, so, um, so that's the case. So what if we wanted multiple counters? Um, so we can do this by creating a class that takes in starting value optionally and has a count and a get method and increment method. This would work the way you'd expect. You could create a new one on the main thread. Um, for example, starting value 10, you get the value and you increment and get the value again, you'll get 10 and 11 as you'd expect. On the background thread, you can create another instance, um, starting value 20, and then you, uh, you print it and then increment, you get 20 and 21. And finally, um, you can print the one back from the main thread again, and you will get 11 as you would expect, right? So that's all great. Um, what if you actually wanted multiple counters on multiple threads to be usable? That's also doable with what we talked about before, um, leaving this as an exercise to the reader or watcher, um, but essentially it will combine uh, both the atomic, uh, the, having the atomic int or, um, approach with the fr uh, freezer approach, kind of with freezing the actual object. Um, I wanna shift gears a bit and talk a little bit about global state. Um, so global state is something like, uh, you know, this array empty data that I have here, which is outside of uh, any particular class uh, or outside of any particular class's hierarchy or something. Um, it's a common case, for example, for some of these data structures to say, hey, my, my, my data begins as this empty array. And as I add items into it, I, as I want to add an item, I will create a backing store for it and add items to it at that point. Um, so the thing about this global data, empty data in this case, is that global data by default is declared on the main thread, which means it's only usable on the main thread. Um, and you can't actually use it from other threads uh, as it is. So if you tried, so let's say for example, we just instantiated our, our, our fancy data structure and, and printed a count. On the main thread, it works fine. But once you try to do this on the background thread, even though it's another instance, you will actually get an exception because um, you're trying to access uh, something that's not marked as thread local or shared immutable. So we talked about thread local before. Um, so shared immutable is, a, is another way which we can tell uh, the Kotlin multi-platform that this particular object is immutable and therefore I can actually use it across multiple threads, which is exactly what we want in this case, because we, what we wanna say is every single fancy data structure gets its same copy, initial copy of empty data because no one's gonna modify it, it is immutable. So by marking it as shared immutable, we tell Kotlin that, hey, this is okay to share across multiple threads and then this example works as expected. Um, so, so far, uh, all these examples that I've talked about in the past are, are, are referring to the case where we're actually doing the multi-threading still on the actual client side. So we're doing the actual multi-threading on iOS or we're doing the multi-threading on Android. 
Um, and these are kind of the special kind of gotcha cases, especially on iOS, because on Android, actually, none of these special cases apply. Everything works the way you'd expect it to. And you don't have, because the memory model is not actually enforced on Android in that way. Um, so I want to do one quick example of actually doing the multi-threading in Kotlin shared code in the multi-platform code. Um, so one pattern that we can use um, is again, a callback pattern. So I can have some sort of, let's say, uh, I'm, in this case, I, I chose to make it a singleton because there's no particular state that I need in this case, but I have a function to do some work. I take some a parameter and I take a callback. Um, so iOS, for example, or Android will call it and will give a callback and it's like, hey, call me back when you're done. Now I can just launch a coroutine um, where I do some work. In this case, I'm just sleeping for five seconds and then reversing the string that was passed in. And then on the main thread, I can call back uh, and, and pass the result in as a, uh, to that. Um, so this works on uh, coroutines supports multi-threading um, specifically, I guess, on uh, the dash MT artifacts. Uh, so there's one dot, dot three dot five, uh, I think 35 uh, dash MT. And that's the one that, for example, dispatchers.default on iOS actually goes to a separate thread and dispatchers.main goes to the main thread on iOS. Uh, whereas before, I think uh, that was not the case. Uh, from the iOS side, for example, we can use this by creating a background calculator. And well, actually we're not creating because it's a singleton in this case, but, um, uh, and then calling the do some work method, giving it the parameter and giving it the Lambda to call back when it's done. Um, so as you would expect, this would print the first string launching calculation on UI thread and the last string doing other stuff on UI thread. And then sometime later, five seconds later, basically it would print the results of the uh, hello world back backwards, basically. Um, so that's another pattern you can actually uh, use when it makes sense uh, to, to actually do this. Um, I want to close with a bit of, with, with a few tips and tricks uh, um, or, or helpful things that, things that we found helpful at least. Um, the first is the is frozen method. So this method is only available in native and it will tell you whether an object is frozen or not. Um, this is useful for debugging. And with it comes this other method called ensure never frozen, um, which you can set on a variable or on a, uh, or on a type and say, you know, you, you want to make sure this never gets frozen. And if someone tries to freeze it, uh, throw an exception and tell me. You might think like, why do I actually need this since I always know when I'm calling freeze? Um, the reason is really because sometimes, um, because first off freeze will actually freeze the entire subgraph. So you might not realize that something is part of an object subgraph and it might actually be. There might be a reference that's being held somewhere and that causes this object to freeze even though you didn't expect it to. Uh, the second case is, um, you know, things like coroutines, for example, by default will freeze a lot of their inputs in order to actually work because they're also forced to, um, you know, live within the bounds of the Kotlin memory model and so on, right? Um, the third thing is unit tests are your friend, uh, especially in common main. So um, a lot of these cases and got uh, that, that we ran into in the past, uh, in, in, these, in these past slides, you can actually catch with you with unit tests, especially if you run these unit tests on iOS. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, particularly, um, uh, you know, the test with, um, sorry about that. So the test that, the t for, particularly, for example, there is a post by Jake Wharton, which I, I, I'll, I have at the last slide as a link to, where she was a very easy way to actually run a particular, um, Lambda of code, both 
on the UI thread as tests are running and in a background thread uh, by using a worker. And that kind of helps catch issues like the issue where we saw earlier on where you could create the fancy data structure on the main thread, but you couldn't create it on the background thread because we didn't set uh, global data to be shared immutable, for example. So these kind of tests can be caught. Other tests like uh, being able to modify, uh, like you know, the, the, an object being frozen automatically, uh, sorry, the top level properties of an object being frozen. These are easily caught if you have tests in common main that you run on the iOS platform, for example. Uh, in this case. Um, another tip, this comes especially from my, my coworkers. Um, they said, you know, when, when you, and, and I think it makes sense, a lot of times, the, um, you know, pushing Kotlin multi-platform comes from the Android side. And it makes sense because as Android developers, we're using Kotlin um, and we love using the language um, and seeing, sharing that code with iOS just makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. Um, but when you're starting, uh, starting with iOS will save you some trouble because you know, what we did at the beginning is we'll start on Android. Everything is great. We're happy. We're like, okay, yeah, we'll just, yeah, we're done on Android. It works. We've tested it. Everything is great. Um, we expect the iOS one to be done in like a day. We just have to open the PR and that's it. Um, but then the reality is the Kotlin memory model uh, applies on the iOS side, doesn't apply on the Android side, and then you start getting into trouble. Um, so if you have to start with one platform, start with iOS first. A um, couple of references. Um, the first one, I guess, is the blog post that I wrote about um, multi-threading. Um, the second one is the TouchLab set of um, uh, posts about concur concurrency, um, where I got a lot of, um, was a very helpful resource uh, while learning this stuff. And finally, uh, Jake's post about um, what I was mentioning about being able to run a test on both uh, the main thread and on background thread during tests. Uh, so that's it. Great. Um, we have we have this little tradition at TouchLab, right? When after someone presents, we do these uh, jazz claps of applause. So so thank you, Ahmed. That, that was awesome. Um, and and you know I I think um, we share a lot of the similar ways of thinking, right? Um, it's really about exploring this stuff, right? And I believe as we were kind of preparing for today's discussion, you made a point that it really is about getting to know the rules, really going deep and then coming back out and kind of summarizing um, what you've learned. So that, that's something that, that, that we also very much um, believe in as well. Um, if, if folks have any questions about some of the specifics of what um, Ahmed presented, please um, drop them into, into the chat um, and we'll take a look at those um, in a second. Um, and so I wanted to switch gears a little bit on that here and kind of talk about your experience putting some of these very complex technical matters into production. Um, so, so the first question I have, and you may have touched on it in several points in your presentation, but um, what has been your experience putting this into production, like this, uh, the, the, the native um, uh, threading model? What has that experience been like? So, so far, uh, multi-threading we don't have in production yet. Um, it's pretty close though. Um, I spoke with the, with, uh, with my team, with my former team who, um, they're still working on multi-threading stuff. I, I, I'm actually shifted to another team now, so I'm working on other stuff. So I talked to them to get their experiences on it. And, um, some of the, the feedback they gave me, um, first off, they said, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, for multi-threading specifically, I guess, um, yeah, they, they started on the Android side. Um, they, everything was good. And then 
you know, once they, they, to kind of help out the iOS, they started actually trying to write an iOS test app using it. And then they started running into these issues. Um, and then they started fixing them. And from there, you know, came some of their advices, like, you know, uh, think about iOS very early on. Think about uh, mutability, very, uh, mutability very early on. Like, does this thing really need to be mutable or can I get away with making it immutable um, to make your life easier? Make sure that your testing um, is in common main because historically before that, we had a lot of Android tests that are like JVM tests. Uh, so in JVM main or Android main. Um, so from there, the team started actually migrating a lot of these tests to common main. Um, and working around being able to, so that they can actually test a lot of these things on iOS and kind of catch a lot of these issues um, quicker. Um, and then, you know, writing that sample app actually helped them see a lot of the other issues, um, uh, you know, uh, forward on that. Got it. Um, how, about, how about from the perspective of the iOS developers? Like, have, have you found that they've been able to kind of take up the pieces of the threading that they need to to understand what's going on? Yes, so um, so I think what made it easier for the uh, in the multi in the multi-threading part, especially, is when the sample app, when when you know the coworker, my coworkers on Android wrote the sample app, being able to look at it and see how it works, kind of uh, you know made it uh, a lot less daunting to you know to pull this code into iOS. Um, and from before that, from our previous experience sharing uh, multi-platform code in the production app already, they already were familiar enough with being able to go into the Kotlin code and make changes and, and kind of familiar with how things work. So it's kind of nice this time around to kind of do it the other way where the yeah, Android developers are the ones jumping in and doing some iOS, so. Nice. Got it. Um... Yeah, so I, I think that pretty much covers what, what we wanted to talk about today. Um, in, in, in recap, um, what we'll do is from the TouchTab handle, um, we'll, we'll share some of the resources that, that were brought up here so that way everyone can kind of digest this um, on their own time. I, I know it was definitely a lot of information, uh, so we want to provide folks the opportunity to, um, to, to really dive in. Um, and we'll also be sharing um, Ahmed's Twitter handle and where, where a lot of these uh, resources are linked as well. Um, so um, if there's if there's no questions from the chat, um, I'll give it about you know another 15 seconds or so. Um, uh, you know we can kind of conclude, but um, but I'm at you know again thanks a lot for for joining us. Um, super super insightful. O always great to talk to someone that's actually put this stuff into production. We're having these conversations with many teams right now, and, and a lot of these questions that that you answered here are going to be super informative, and and um, we'll definitely uh, share a recording of this as well. Um, if anyone wants to kind of rewatch and, and pause in certain areas. If I may also, I wanna, um, I, well, I wanna say two things. First, I wanna give a shout out to a couple of my coworkers who are on the, uh, yes, who are on the stream. Um, so they, they actually did a lot of work on this um, for the company and, and so on. Um, and also um, kind of to mention one last important point that they gave, uh, which I think is, was very valuable. Um, to, to roughly paraphrase what they said, 